I'm going to proceed on the idea that everybody at least understands how to construct a label or a mirror. Labels, it seems, it sounds the looks. You see me sound your look. A mirror is a repetition of the last one to three words-ish or specific selection. Once you get good at the last one or three words, you start picking one to three words out of different portions of the conversation of mirror. So everybody's going to pick two things they're passionate about. Everybody's going to pick two things they're passionate about. It doesn't matter what those things are. They could be food. They could be dogs. They could be bunny rabbits. I know you're passionate about bunny rabbits. Doesn't matter what those two things are. You will pair up with someone next to you. One of you will be the talker, the other person will be the negotiator. The negotiators ask two what questions. What are you passionate about? I'm passionate about puppies. What about puppies makes you passionate? That's your second what question. Every response from the negotiator from that point on is a label or a mirror only. It's not, oh, I had puppies growing up. I set it on fire. You know, whatever you did when you were a kid. No sharing of common experiences. Because that's not a label or a mirror. And then when we pair you up and you start out, one of you is a negotiator and the other is a talker, stay in role until we ask you to switch out. If someone is not particularly comfortable with the skills yet and they say, okay, I did this long enough, now let's talk about your passion. Now we don't want you to do that. We have a very specific sequence going here. These are our reps. How many reps to get a skill? 63. These are our reps. This is the low stakes practice. This is the no stakes practice. Small stakes practice for high stakes results. Here's what it'll look like. Brandon's gonna be the negotiator and Derek is gonna be the talker. So at the beginning you're gonna be able to ask two questions to get you started and from there forward is going to be only labels and mirrors. So after you label four, after I have done four or five labels with Derek, then we will start pointing to people in the room to continue the conversation with Derek. So once you get pointed at, you got to come up with a label and mirror. A great way to get picked is to look away. All right, so uh, two questions at the very beginning. First question, what's your passion? Uh, coaching basketball. Coaching basketball. And then second question, what about coaching basketball makes you passionate? Uh, it, it provides me an opportunity with providing a positive male role model in the lives of guys that don't have it. Guys that don't have it? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, the, coach, the uh, community that I coached in a couple of years ago was a, um, a, an immigrant community, um, single parent homes, mostly led by women. Uh, a lot of times the guys that were on my team were the, were the oldest male in the house, so a lot of responsibility had been thrust upon them. And as a result, some of them, uh, straight off the straight and narrow, unless they were provided an opportunity to participate in organized sports, that's where I came in. It sounds like in a lot of ways these kids are kind of missing out on life. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was in I was in their spot, so to speak, when I was coming up. I didn't. I grew up in a house that didn't have a father. Um, in fact, he could walk through those doors right now, and I wouldn't know it was him. That's how early in my life that he left. So I was raised by a a a mother who had a heart of gold, and she worked very hard, but she didn't. She couldn't provide me with that male influence that I needed. And, but by the grace of God, I could have gone elsewhere. Sounds like you learned how to be pretty self-sufficient at an early age. I had to. You had to grow up fast. And uh, the things that were out there that snatched me off the streets, figuratively speaking, have been multiplied tenfold now uh, with these guys. So I know that they're either going to wind up dead, they're going to wind up incarcerated, or they're going to wind up like the next Shirley. Sounds like you really feel for the fact that what they're missing out on really isn't any fault of their own. It's not. And so for the two hours that I get them every day between the months of November and March, it provides me with an opportunity to um, provide them with some life skills that'll make them better men. Because I think as a, as a male adult, it's incumbent upon me to do that. Label or mirror. Label or mirror. I want you to say it looks like, it seems like, it sounds like, and then give me what it looks like, seems like, sounds like. Intuitively, you know what to say. Now I want to make you say it. It looks like this is really important. Yeah, it is important to me. Let's face it. These guys are going to get their life lessons from somewhere. And if they're not getting it from me, they're going to get it from somebody in the streets. And then the people in the streets are usually going to send them in the wrong direction. Direction. Label or mirror? Mirror. Wrong direction? Into the mic wrong direction yeah so I mentioned earlier they could wind up incarcerated or they could wind up like Shirley and as an adult again my job is to make sure that nobody else becomes a Shirley label or mirror it sounds like Shirley's important to you I, I, I wasn't following that part I had a legitimate question what, what do you mean when you say Shirley I didn't ask you to ask a question <laughs> I want you to label or mirror any question that you can ask can sound like Shirley? a mirror great yeah, Shirley was a uh, young lady I met. She was seven years old at the time that I met her. And um, Shirley was a crack baby, which means when her mother was pregnant, she was continuing to ingest cocaine. Shirley was born addicted to cocaine. And she had this, the requisite uh, behavioral and cognitive issues that a baby addicted to cocaine would. So she was way behind in her development. They put her into foster care because the mother was not, the mother was not obviously competent to raise the child. So Shirley was put into foster care, and that's when I met her. Label and mirror. That, and you met her where? Not a question. Label and mirror. Any question that you can ask can be turned into a label. So it looks like, it seems like, it sounds like. Sounds like you had a great opportunity to, to, to run into this little girl at one time, and it meant a lot to you. Subsequently, yeah, it was a great opportunity. At the time, I didn't see it as such. Because when I met her, her foster mother's boyfriend had taken the bottom end of a cane and shoved it in her mouth and broke her teeth out because she spilled toothpaste on the floor. And so when I think about my responsibility to the youth of today, it starts with how I saw Shirley. 
the night that she was on the gurney in the hospital, and I'm taking photographs of her injury, and this little girl that has had everything done to her is laying on the gurney, showing me some cigarette burns on her forearm, and she still had enough sunshine in her to, to smile. And I said, and I still have her picture on my desk with that smile. And I said, if this kid can go through all of that, she needs a fighter. And so my job is to fight for all the Shirley's of the world, label or mirror. It sounds like you believe this program can really make a difference in children's lives. Well, it's, it's a leap, but my basketball program, by extension, will lessen the opportunity for kids to fall through the cracks, either into jail or to have their lives impacted in a other negative ways. Now, I'm going to stop there. You guys see how much information you can gather by just using labels and mirrors. If you will imagine the X that I stood on the floor represents I like coaching basketball, right? How far off of that X did you move me? When I first said I like coaching basketball, figuratively or literally, some of you rolled your eyes and said, oh, another, another jockhead. Another guy who's going to start talking about the virtues of Steph Curry. Right? But what did you learn about me? Travis said, I grew up without a father. What else did you learn? Specifically, what did you learn? That I help youth. Good. What else did you learn? I have a very big heart. Do I sound like somebody you want to do business with? Absolutely. A lot of behavioral things, how you respond to things. What do you mean? Uh, given a difficult situation, you took it and turned it into a positive. Good, good. What else did you learn? You want to be a road walker, right? you want to give back. Want to give back. What else did you learn? Respect your mother. I respect my mother. What else? What inspired you? What inspired me, uh, Monica said. So the point is, you move me off the X, you know a lot about me. Character-wise, behavior-wise. How much information did you give me? How much do I know about you? Nothing. Just using labels and mirrors. That's how strong they work. That's how powerful they are. So, that's what you guys are going to replicate in your one-to-ones. What the, what were you talk? who was the talker? I was a talker. What was your passion? Skiing. Skiing, awesome. Did he label and mirror? He labeled a lot. Labeled a lot? Yep. Did he mirror? Yes, once or twice. Okay, mostly labels, cool. Mostly labels. Did, did he come out of the labels? Did he ever Dave, do anything wrong? Um, there was one time where I think you said it feels like. Um, that kind of that kind of tripped me up in like the in the pattern there, uh, but for the most part it was it was pretty solid and you know got me off the X if you will. How was it for you? Felt very natural. You know I I didn't feel like anything. I didn't feel like it was artificial. Ah, awesome. Okay. And all right. So the labeling and mirroring. I don't know how much practice, how much opportunity you've had to, have, had to practice up to now. I don't know how many reps you've gotten in. I get a sense from what you were telling me before. You've been applying a book, so you've probably been labeling and mirroring some. Yeah, that's accurate. How was this act? How was the exercise? Oh, it was good. It really felt like a natural flow of a conversation. With you know, somebody tells you something about themselves, and then suddenly he's off and running into way different. It's not about skiing. 
it's not at all about scheme. What did it become? Uh, well, if I go to the deep dive, right, uh, he's trying to develop that camaraderie he developed through skiing that he didn't get from team sports, where he could be individual, but he could be with friends, where he developed lifelong relationships, and now he's at a point in his life where that's once a year he wants to be able to develop that in a community he lives in. Okay, now how long were we, were, thank you, how long were, were we in the exercise, roughly? Three minutes, maybe. Now, based on what you just heard about these two gentlemen, this gentleman right here, how many of his core values as a human being and as a, and as a businessman do you know? Lifelong relationships, camaraderie, team player, a critical part of his life. You know, so these quickly uncover issues in very short periods of time that, I don't, that drive relationships, which means friendships and business relationships, yes? And, you know, I was, uh, I did a keynote with uh, the Apollo Private Equity Group just a couple of days ago here in town. And they were like, well, can't you still go play golf? So, and I said, all right, so you guys go play golf together for what? To find out what we just found out in the last three minutes. Only instead of being on a golf course for eight hours, it took three minutes here. So this is why, and some of you are discovering this already, this is why your professions accelerate. You begin to dial into people very quickly. And you create a great relationship between the two of you, and it takes three minutes. And I can tell you something, every single time that Brandon and Derek do the exercise in front of the group, I learn more about Derek. And I've known Derek since 2001. Is that when we first met, probably, roughly? Uh, and, I'm, and I'm learning more about them every time. Thank goodness Brandon's good at this stuff. Huh? So this is how it's applied. And, we, and those of you who are still getting your reps in to get over your awkwardness, you heard a gentleman here describe what it was like to be labeled in an environment where he knows he's being labeled in an exercise, in a room, at a seminar. And he said it was natural, it was comfortable, it was fine. If you have any misgivings about these skills at all, this environment should tell you when your counterpart is completely good with it and they know you're using techniques on them. You will never encounter some, a person that you're talking to that's more aware of the fact that techniques are being deployed on them in the moment and everybody here is okay with it. So it's not that you're using a technique, it's what your objective is, to create a better relationship should never be concerned about whether or not they don't like the techniques. If somebody on the other side doesn't like the techniques, it's not because the techniques have shortcomings, it's telling you that there's a pretty good chance this is someone you don't want to do business with. If someone is openly telling you they do not want to collaborate with you, what are they telling you? If I'm communicating to you, I don't want you to know about me. I Back don't here want you we, we had a comment, they don't trust you. They don't trust you, yeah. All right, so there's an interesting, interesting thing, too. Now, if they don't want you to know these things, now your further diagnosis is, is uncover what the trust issues are. Now, maybe you're never going to get past, past it, but that's, that's a great observation. It's a trust issue, and, and, and the, the flip side of that might be that once this person trusts me, they trust so fully and so completely, that's why they're so defensive. So how, long is, how hard is it going to be to get on the other side of that wall? 
Right on. Thank you, Chris, for everything. This is fantastic. Uh, my question, you know, going back to what you were discussing earlier about you're shooting somebody a message, you know, with mirroring and because so much is about body language and inflection. So just in the use of like a, a sponsorship package. So you, you're speak, you've had a meeting with somebody. They said, you know, you left us. We're going to follow up. He's like, no, let's, I got to take it back to my team. You follow up a couple weeks later say, hey, no response. And then you like shoot him a text or you shoot him an email and say, it's like, are you no longer interested in the sponsorship? And, you know, one, does that come across sounding desperate when there's no inflection or just out of the blue? And then part two is if they respond and with a simple, no, we feel the price is too high. Now, if you and I were saying this in person, you're like, hey, the price is a little too high. I might come back with, well, too high. So in, when it comes to the type of communications through text and email, you don't have the inflection and it, I don't want, you know, how not to sound like a parrot, I guess. Right. Would be the question. All right. So whether or not you sound like a parrot is really more about you. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. Now you do have a bit of an instinct here for that texting occasionally, you know, you can't control tone. Mm -hmm. So, we, you know, we got something we call softeners which principally uh, softener, most of the time is usually, I'm sorry, I'm afraid. So where I'd mirror that, I might say, I'm sorry, dot, 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 too high, question mark. That's thrown a little bit of a softener in the beginning. And I, I just, and I, this also comes from me. I mean, I, I'm now doing more sales for our events and, you know, I've always said to my, I've always said, I'm not a salesperson. Well, I had to change my philosophy and say, I am a salesperson. So, if, you know, I've been, you know, checking out the masterclass and it was fantastic taking my notes and then coming to this, I just feel, and this is me, but I feel it's like, if I just wrote, I'm afraid dot, dot, dot too high. It's like, that is so outside my comfort zone yeah, that I'm right. like, just going right back. It's like too high. Like, how dare you question our pricing structure in that sense? And well, that's is your that, amygdala, I guess it's bro. Your amygdala is whispering yeah. in your ear. You know, anytime, <laughs> anytime anything that's new to you, until you've got your own personal data. As human beings, we're, we're in survival mode is our default mode. And our default mode is our amygdala, which is 75% negative. So something that's new that catches you off guard, that amygdala is going to whisper in your ear. It's an amygdala whisper. And you got to get you got to get some experiential data on your own to counter that. Now, look, I got my, my amygdala whispers in my ear So, because I'm human. So get some experiential data on your mirrors in other places. I will tell you also, very much like the conversation we just had, you know, we'll get back to you. First of all, learn to recognize what is a maybe. That's a maybe. You know, the, the choosing not to execute now. Now, let's couple this with, People's gut response is to question price. And rarely is it the price. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the value or it's really the value. So somebody says your price is too high. Your response to that is it seems like the value is just not there for you. There we go. Because... They may, you, you know, the gut reaction, you got to get them. They may not know what's wrong until you encourage them out of it with the appropriate label. 
their gut instinct might be telling them they may you so you need to articulate exactly what it is now they now there's a possibility that their counter proposal on adjustment on the value was delivery terms anything other than price mm-hmm. might actually make it more profitable for you now it doesn't matter what percentage of time that is maybe it's only one percent of the time mm-hmm. let's say it's only one percent of the time that's better that's than zero percent of the time. It's better than zero. That's money you're leaving on the table. You know, you got to give give them the opportunity to kind of propose a deal that actually makes more money for you. And then on top of that, if you get them to kind of propose a better deal, you go, wow, brilliant. And then what are the chances that they're going to follow up? Because it was their idea that darn skippy they're going to follow up. It was their idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, you know that's that would be my my cascade of advice for you on that. And I, I know eventually, like this will be out in a video. It'll be linked to our bios. Mm-hmm. You guys want to go back and review this because you know the stream of consciousness that you get from me or any of the black swans is almost too fast to keep up with. So <laughs> you know, be can you know go back and review the videos. Take as many notes max out the, the value on this ad. Right on. Thank you. So in closing, bend a little reality. <laughs> Who told you how to do that? Who did you, where did you get that idea? I That's don't crazy know. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're labeling, one of the things that we like to talk about is how you label in response to some kind of inappropriate or patronizing behavior. So the first type and the first thing you're going to do, if it's, if it's appropriate, is redirect the conversation. So this is when the behavior that's coming at you is kind of putting things off track, but it's not offensive, and it's not affecting the long-term relationship. So, you know, sometimes you can kind of let it slide. Sometimes you shouldn't. It's what you want to do here is in a normal label, you're going to ignore the comment and put the conversation kind of back on track. So you're going to say something like, seems like you want to get the best deal here and refocus them. Seems like your team is important to you. Refocus back to what you're talking about. Okay. This is just when it feels like the focus of the conversation is actually in the wrong place. So you want to make sure you gear it back in the right direction, but you don't want to come out and say something um, off-putting to the other side because that's not going to help you at all. So you just refocus a little bit by using that label. Um, the next one is going to be a thought pattern interrupt. This is when um, the behavior needs to stop. So whatever is happening, it feels like the focus of the negotiation or conversation is turning to you rather than the actual negotiation. So it's disruptive um, to whatever's happening. And it can be affecting the whole deal. So when you're getting this far and when it is um, behavior that needs to stop, it is going to damage the future relationship if you don't take care of it. So what you want to say then is, you know, it, it seems like you're not interested in whatever, bringing them back on focus a little bit. Um, this makes them consider hopefully that the behavior that they're doing may be negatively affecting things that are going on. And you want to make sure you point that out. So behavior needs to stop. So the last one that we talk about, and Davey, please interrupt me if somebody puts something in the chat that 
we want to talk about. And if you want to add anything, please just pipe up there. Anybody. Um, the last one is what we call a confronting label. This is very assertive. So you want to be careful when you use it, but this is when the behavior needs to stop and be addressed. So remember, redirecting, you're just labeling before it gets off track. When you're creating the thought pattern interrupt, the behavior needs to stop. So you're, you're gearing them another way to stop whatever the behavior is that they've now suddenly gotten into. The confronting label is when maybe those other two labels haven't worked, or maybe it's just gone off course really quickly. So you want to use that confronting label and label what's happening and address it at the same time. So this comes about a lot of times when people take the liberty to call you cute little names like honey and sweetie. And the way you can deal with that, because this is very assertive, remember, seems like you think it's okay to address me that way. So this is when that behavior makes you feel like you need to put walls up against the other side. And I'm sure everyone on this call at one point or another has been in some kind of conversation where all of a sudden you feel like, whoa, this is, this is not going where I want it to go. This needs to stop. This is when this label is going to come in handy. When you address that actual behavior, calling you honey or calling you sweetie, and force them to face up to it. And Davey, I want you to talk a little bit about this because you have some interesting stories about dealing with behavior like this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I know. We're, we're going <laughs> to, Sandy's going to call me a few times. I just have about, um, I have negative patience for being called names or being mansplained to, or like, I just have just mm, absolutely no patience for it. Um, so the, the idea behind, uh, just to kind of reiterate a couple of things that Sandy has said, the idea behind a label is it's a verbal observation, right? And so frequently how you use a label is in information gathering. Um, when you're wanting someone to talk, to continue on, um, but what it does is that it really guides a conversation. So you're able to express, um, you can use it to express understanding, right? Because you say like, you know, it seems like um, something that I've said has upset, has upset you. Um, you can use it to express understanding in that way. Um, but a lot of times, and what we're talking about right here is um, essentially guiding a conversation, right? That's what a, a label can be used for is really guiding where it's going. And so a lot of times when, um, when people are talking to us in a certain way, oftentimes because we're a woman, um, then what we can do is use a label to redirect the whole conversation. So um, Sandy was using an example of kind of like different layers, right? Of, okay, do we just wanna redirect it? Um, or is it more, do we need to be more assertive about this? So, um, yeah, so the redirecting uh, the conversation, you just can say something about the deal, something about what you're talking about. Um, so along the lines of, um, it seems like you're really interested in, um, in what's a good example? It seems like you're really interested, well, because we have a few here that I really liked um, of what people were like different fields that people are in. Um, and what we're hoping to gain. Um, so for example, influencing people to join a team, right? Um, it seems like you're really looking for um, 
a team that makes sure that they value you, right? You say, you might say something like that. Um, and that'll just help keep the conversation where you are wanting it to go. But then um, the other ones, it's really more about kind of stopping behavior, addressing behavior um, is what we're talking about right here, but they can be used in a lot of different ways. Sorry, I just like went on for a long time, Sandy. <laughs> so no, you're fine. Let's stop you're fine. Keep going. Guys, we're talking about mirrors today. Jedi mind trick. The last one to three words are the important one to three words. Listen to these examples to see how crazy it is that this stuff works. The, the quickest, easiest, simple bailout skill that will never fail you, never, 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 never fail you. Especially when you're thrown off, when you're off track, when you've lost your emotional bearing. Mirrors are there for you. They work with the least amount of brain power. That's why they will, they're always there for you. So we're, we're preparing for one of these trainings in a very early day. No, it wasn't one of these trainings, but it was our training in our very early days. Yeah, corporate training. And we're supposed to put together notebooks. Actually, we're supposed to put together three ring binders. But in my head, those terms are synonymous. And he's putting the stuff together. And I ask him if he's got the notebooks ready. And, and he knows we're supposed to be putting three ring binders. And I'm saying notebooks. He doesn't know what's, what's in my head, actually. You know, are you thinking something like this when I say notebooks? You know, yeah, who knows? Basically. But, you know, this could be, a no this is not a three ring binder, is it? This is not a three ring binder. I don't know. I don't know what's the matter with him. I don't know why he can't read my mind. But anyway, so I say, are the notebooks ready? And, and he goes, what do you mean by notebooks? So what do I say? Yeah, exactly. Goddamn notebooks, right? <laughs> you say it, it's much clearer then, right? Because the word notebook is so self-explanatory that if you don't understand exactly what I mean because I choose my words so well, then you're an idiot. It's the same way I ask for directions when I'm in Paris. What do you mean you don't know where the Eiffel Tower? Where's the Eiffel Tower? You know, I only say it again louder. So he mirrors me. He goes, notebooks? I go, yeah, three ring binders. And you know, that's why the mirrors are the great bear you out of the corner tool. Somebody's not on the, right, on the same sheet of music. It's either you or it's them. A quick mirror always causes, always, 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 always causes people to restate it in another way. It's especially effective with assertives because we figure if you're unclear, we just need to talk more. This is Chris again. Hey, listen. I, I got a, a couple of questions I need to ask you. We've uh, we've got a van out here, a blue and gray van. Um, we've been able to get a handle on the owners of all the vehicles out here, except this one in particular. Do you know anything about it? Well, other vehicles not out there because you guys chased my driver away. We chased your driver away. Well, when he seen the police, he cut. This mirror tool, one of the negotiation techniques, you know, from the FBI 8, you know, there are eight specific techniques that we used in hostage negotiation. Um, the mirror tool is one of those ways to innocuously get them to either repeat it or expand on it. Get them to either repeat it or expand on it? Right. Is, is, that, what you're, is that what you just said? Right. That, did I just do it? It, 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 it? You know what? You did. It was perfect. See, and I didn't even notice it. I was just telling you to use it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I don't know.
don't know if you felt awkward when you did that because you did it intentionally, but I had no idea that you did it until you told me you did it. Wow. It was awkward. It was definitely awkward. It felt, you know, contrived. But you didn't pick it. You didn't, you didn't feel that at all. No. I mean, you, okay. you blew that one by me. You blew it right by me. I hope you got the idea. Mirrors are simple. The last one to three words are the important one to three words. Make a whole day a mirror day. They're easy. Practice them. Get your repetitions in. They're simple. They're a Jedi mind trick. Enjoy using mirrors. This video is about labels. The ultimate negotiation tool. Sometimes we think of it as the ultimate MacGyver tool. What makes it a MacGyver tool? Well, a MacGyver tool is really simple and incredibly effective, ridiculously effective. To do your labels right, you gotta keep them simple. Stick to the format. It seems like, it sounds like, it looks like. You seem, you sound, you look. We have a great negotiator that loves to say it feels like. Stick to that simple format. We're intentionally leaving the word I out. I is a thought interrupter, a pattern interrupter. When you use the word I, it draws attention to yourself. It interrupts the other side's thinking and you're using labels to gather information. We know from negotiation the idea is to gather information. A crazy thing is, asking questions is not always the best way to gather information. Labels work well more of the time than asking questions do. Labels trigger stream of consciousness reactions. You might say to somebody, what are you thinking about this? You might label them instead and say, seems like you're giving this a lot of thought. Or it seems like you're thinking about something here. Or it seems like you saw some things you like. Either one of those is going to trigger a much more unvarnished flow of thoughts from the other side. One of the people who's really learned this stuff and is doing a great job of applying this in a real estate area calls it unlocking the floodgates of truth talk. Happens to be a woman that's applying this and seeing the insights and not the least bit surprising because women have a tendency to pick this stuff up faster than men do. That doesn't mean men can't be great at it also, just that for whatever reason, women seem to get a head start on understanding this and applying it really quickly. This is emotional intelligence-based negotiation. One of the crazy things about this is that when Brandon and I brought these hostage negotiation techniques out of hostage negotiation into the business world, we didn't think labels were that big of a deal. I can tell you now that we both use them so much that we can work our way entirely through a negotiation only using labels. When you get good at them, you respect their simplicity and you apply them, you can use them all over the place. One of the main things that makes labels incredibly versatile is the fact that all three types like them a lot. We've done a lot of polling. We've got a lot of reason to believe that the world pretty much breaks up into three types, assertives, analysts, and accommodators, across the board, regardless of gender or ethnicity. We probably polled at least 2,000 people in this regard. We got a fair amount of data. And in polling all these people, and in different classes where we've talked, we frequently run exercises where we ask them, of the nine negotiation skills, which skills would you most prefer your counterpart use with you in order to make a great deal with you? All three types pick labels as number one or number two. 
So while you're still trying to get a feel for the other side and draw a beat on what type they are, labels will always be your highest percentage shot at the very beginning when you're proceeding. And then if you find out that they resonate really well with labels, you just simply stick to them. It's your safest bet. And the way you go from being barely good enough to get by to being a superstar is just by increasing your odds a little bit at a time. Labels increase your odds. Get good at them. Practice them simply. Practice every day. Get your reps in. And they will serve you well. How much practice should you get in? An hour a day. Make an hour label hour. Label at noon. Label over lunch. Label from 7 to 8 every day. Whatever time it is. Get your practice in. Make a cheat sheet of labels. Keep it by your phone. Your cheat sheets should especially include labels of negative dynamics. Fill in a blank. It seems like you hate X. It seems like you dislike X. It seems like X is a problem for you. Have those fill in a blank labels by your phone. Have them ready. They will serve you well. So labels have a very specific structure. Um, you're going to be saying it seems like, it sounds like, it looks like, it feels like. You can use it or you can use you. It is neutral. It's where you should probably stay when you're starting to use the skills because it is neutral. You can use you and it's, it's definitely more engaging, but if you're not really very careful about the tone of voice that you have, using you cannot go very well for you if you're not careful. So you can say, it seems like you're angry, or you can say, you seem angry. The you that I just said was very accusatory. People don't respond well to that. So it's better if you just stick with it in the beginning until you're dealing with somebody who you know for sure feels a certain way and you can say it without that little sarcastic kind of accusatory tone in your voice. Now, when you're using labels, actually, I don't know why we just have this on the label slide because it's using any of our skills. Do not use the word, but after you say something, because it is an erasing word. So everything you say after the word, but erases everything you said before it. So if you say, you know, um, you seem angry, but you really don't need to be. You just erase that perfectly good label by, by, by saying the word, but if you use the words and, or because you're actually either explaining the label or you're stepping on it. So what you need to do instead of actually putting one of those words in there after you use a really good label or even after a mirror, you want to just go quiet. Okay. Let it, let the person process what you just said. Don't erase it or explain it right away. One thing I want you to remember through this process is if you are explaining, you're losing. Okay. So when you use our skills, you don't want to explain them. You want to like drop them. It's like dropping the mic. You just put it out there and let it sit. Okay. With a mirror, you're repeating back the last one to three words. You want to be careful, not go more than five, because if you're getting up there in numbers, you're looking more at a paraphrase and it's no longer become, it's no longer a mirror. So it can be from anywhere in the conversation, but this does take practice. If you're listening to someone and they're going on for, you know, three, four sentences and you hear something that you want more information about, you mirror that specific thing. Okay. 
It's not an issue. It doesn't break someone's train of thought because they already brought it up. So they, they already have it in their mind. What you're doing is if they're giving you three or four different issues and there's one particular one you want to talk about, you go that direction with your mirror. And that's a way that you can kind of control the conversation um, and get the information that you want. You want to use labels and mirrors and get as much information as possible from the other side while giving as little information as possible away about yourself. That's the best way to practice. It's also not mirroring body language. Now, I don't discount any body language. It has its place. And I'm pretty sure Troy's going to bring up my coffee drink in here in a second. But um, if someone that you're talking to rubs their nose like this, a lot of times you'll rub your nose because somewhere in your brain, your brain says, why are they rubbing their nose? Do I have something on my face? Um, or they do something with their ear. So you'll, you'll do something with your ear. A lot of times it's unconscious. Okay. It's a very unconscious thing that people do. Um, but we're not really talking about mirroring body language because in the world that we came from, we were on the phone with people. So we weren't able to really see body language. So it's not that we don't put any stock in body language. It can be extremely important. It's just not the most important thing. And we're not talking about mirroring body language. So we're not telling you if someone crosses their arms, you cross their arms, you cross your arms. We're not telling you to mirror that body language. Um, it can be kind of fun to kind of mess with it though, because a lot of times if you do something, people will see it and they'll do it also. And I'm thinking that's what Troy saw with the coffee drinking. Mirrors are a great way for you to make the conversation go in the direction that you want it to go in without trying to control it. Okay. So basically when you're trying to get information, when you're in a conversation and your goal is to get as much information as possible, mirrors are great to use to pull out that word in the middle where and, and get, take them in the direction you want them to go. Um, I like to say, don't try to control the game, just play it. Remember, you don't have to be in control to actually be in control. You don't have to be doing all the talking to actually be in control. You actually are getting more out of it and have more control over it when you're the one doing all the listening because you're the one getting all the information. You're not giving anything away. Okay. So don't feel like you have to keep a hold on that conversation. Women are very strong listeners. Okay. That's been my experience. They're very strong listeners. They can listen to three sentences hear a pertinent issue somewhere in the middle that they want to grab a hold of, use a mirror to send the, your counterpart in that direction. Okay, women are much better at that than men. Men tend to mirror the last few words and don't pick up on the ones in the middle for some reason. That's just been my experience. You guys might have a different experience, but I notice when, when men tend to mirror, they mirror from the end of the sentence more. Um, women because they are stronger listeners, can pick up that subtle word in the middle of a sentence, hold on to that, and then mirror that at the end. That is a way to actually control that conversation without them feeling like you're an overbearing woman who's trying to take over the conversation. You're gearing them in the direction that you want them to go without actually um, you know, making it obvious that that's what you're doing. Um, there was one question I kind of tried to answer, but how many mirrors do you feel like is okay before it becomes over mirroring? I'm going to give you the, the classic answer that Black Swan gives. It depends. Okay. <laughs> it, honestly, I wish I had a magic formula where I could say, don't do more than four mirrors in a conversation, but I, I really don't. 
you're going to realize it because you're going to be watching the reaction of the other side. Okay. If you pull mirror number five in a three minute conversation and you get to look like, like, what is it with you? Um, you might want to stop doing that for a little bit. Okay. Remember a lot of what you're going to do is going to depend on what the reaction is from the other side while you're using these skills. All right. It's, it's a, there's a very big thing about watching the other side and taking in that data. Remember, you can't use a nice deep label label unless you're actually listening and collecting that, that information. So if you're listening and collecting that information, use a label. Don't stick with mirrors the whole time. All right. Um, you run that, that risk of looking like all you can do is ask an up, upward inflecting mirror and you don't know what you're talking about. It's kind of like um, you guys have been through the N9, so you know what I talk about when I talk about encouragers and I say, don't be over-encouraging. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. You know when someone's being over-encouraging and you're like, Jesus, would you stop already? So keep that feeling in your mind when you're thinking about mirrors and how often you're mirroring. Sometimes people will stick a mirror in when it really isn't a good place to use a mirror. If you have... Um, a couple of sentences of information, but there's not a single thing that sticks out to you about what they're saying, stick with the last few words if you don't have enough to do a good um, label. But if they say a significant word in the middle and you want to you wanna go there, just mirror that word. Uh, once again, it's all about listening and taking the opportunity to stick a skill in there when it fits best and using it to your advantage. Because bottom line is we're in a conversation. Okay, you're in a conversation. Things are going back and forth. You're not going to be jumping from skill to skill to skill. You are having a conversation. When you're using these black swan skills, what we want you to do is insert the skill where it fits best and gives you the best return for your investment. All right? So it might not be every single thing out of your mouth is a, is a black swan skill. Just remember to take advantage of that mirror when you hear that keyword in the middle or those key two, key two three words in the middle and you can mirror those back at the end. All right. Um, now we do tell people in training, take a day and try doing nothing but mirrors to get yourself used to doing that. And that's okay. Um, but also know that that would be better to do in a social situation or at home, not in the middle of a negotiation, because that might give the wrong idea to someone who's just hearing you only mirror. Okay. Brandon. Yes. There's a question in the chat. Um, how do we deal with assertives when we know we can't give them what they want up front? Great great question so first of all the number one tool to use on an assertive is going to be a mirror we talk about rapport and info gathering in the last session we will go over mirrors then why is that good assertives have a tendency to talk a lot they have a tendency to browbeat you with their point of view they don't like to be interrupted and it's very counterproductive mirroring helps them connect their thoughts together lets them know you're tracking the whole time and gives the implication or the understanding that you get it without having to do a full summary or without having to say the words, I get it or I understand or please go on. What, what do you mean by that? You can use the mirror. So first of all, you have to have mirrored them a bunch. The other part of this is not every negotiation should be turned into a deal. Part of any negotiation is essentially a qualification process. Should I be doing business with you? We talk about in the book, all of you have seen this. No deal is always better than a bad deal. 
No Deal allows you to free up your time and attack the next great opportunity that's actually going to help you. A bad deal will put you to through three to five. Sometimes I feel bad for some of these people in the corporate world. 10, 12 years of heartache and pain. I got a, I got a client right now trying to break loose from, I won't name the company, but wanted to get in bed with them because they are who they are. They have had a year of heartache. And all we talk about in our coaching sessions is how to amicably sever that relationship because they have performance things they got to get done. There's demands that need to be met and they can't stand dealing with these MFers anymore. And so if you can't give them what they want, maybe that's a good thing. And so not every deal should be made when dealing with an assertive mirror, get a that's you hit the nail on the head before you start laying out demands in the form of I messages or potentially thought shaping questions. Yeah. The hostage negotiators mayor, the business negotiators mayor, the black swan negotiators mayor, you know, it's not, not the body language thing that everybody's familiar with. You know, it's not, they put their hand to their chin. You put your hand to their chin. You know, they lean to the left. You lean to the left. It's not a body language nonsense. It's a repetition of one to three ish words. You teach yourself, the skill repeating the last one to three words of what they just said. When you have done that enough times, yeah, then you move it around. You get surgical with your mirror. You mirror what you want to hear more about. It's a great skill that does two things simultaneously. It gets the other side talking. It gets him to expand. It's much better than what did you mean by that? Much better. You get a much cleaner download of their actual thoughts. It's also a great skill when you are caught off guard. Like they just said something that just make so doesn't make sense that your brain has just stopped. If you practice the mirror, it's a great way to buy yourself a whole bunch of time to get your feet back under you. The other side doesn't know you did it because they feel like you're really listening and they want to talk some more. The funny thing about the mirror that I have found really interesting is the few people that are both high IQ and high EQ, and I'm not high IQ. And EQ is learnable. I believe, you know, I work very hard at my EQ. But the natural born high IQ, high EQ people love mirrors. I think it's because it's so simple and it's so effective. And that type of person loves simplicity and effectiveness combined into one. And, and I've seen consistently the smartest negotiators, very high IQ people love to mirror all the time, which I get a kick out of because you know, I don't, <laughs> I just do it because it, I was taught that it worked. I didn't, wasn't that quickly attracted to it till I see the really smart people. So I pretend I'm really smart by doing it. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about EQ, emotional intelligence, and the technique of mirroring that you use in negotiation. So, for example, if you've got the $500,000 fourplex building you're looking to sell, I want to buy it, say I'm interested in price, I might try to break you down and say something like, well, it looks like the roof only has five years of life expectancy left on it. What would you say? All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm selling and you're questioning the roof and you want me to mirror? Yeah. Well, I would say five years of life expectancy. 
Yeah, I'm afraid in five years, that's going to wipe out my cash flow for an entire year when I have to replace that roof. For an entire year? Yeah, an entire year of my cash flow, just five years away. So since it's a 30-year roof, can't you share in the expense with me? Share in the expense? Yeah, share in the expense of the roof that you haven't replaced. Sounds like if we work that out, all the other terms will work for you. Maybe they would, depending on what we agree to on the new roof and how much we're going to share in this expense that I'd be burdened with if I buy the building. So you're not worried about how much I'm burdened? You're burdened? Uh, now you're trying to mirror me back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? You did something interesting there when you mirrored me a few times, Chris. You got me to say something I didn't plan to say. Maybe you thought that I wanted the entire roof replaced, but after a couple of questions, you got me to use the word share. You actually got me down to where now you knew that I was willing to share in the cost of that new roof. And then you knew I wasn't asking you to replace the entire thing. So you actually did manipulate me. Manipulation is probably not the right word, but you did get me to concede when you mirrored me a couple times. And the only reason I mirrored you is because you, you told me about the technique. So that was really great how you got let, me. Let me, stop, let me stop you for just a second too, because all right, so my observation of your tone was that you didn't feel backed into a corner. Have I got that wrong? You're right. I was being kind of aggressive and going for something. But what I was trying to do is, you see, the dynamic was we got, in, we got into a sharing conversation without counteroffers, without argument, without anybody getting upset. You know, I'm creating a collaborative environment here so that I can get you into this idea without you feeling like you got backed into a corner or drug into it. That's what I'm really trying to do. I'm trying to expand the conversation. What we would have seen before is bargaining, offer, counteroffer, accusations, all this kind of stuff, meet in the middle, also the nonsense. I'm trying to take the conversation into an area that's collaborative, but you not feeling backed into the corner. Because if I cause you to feel backed into a corner by taking you there, even if I come out on top, quote, on top in this point, you're going to want to get me back elsewhere. And the fear of loss that you talked about before, we got to get people back at least at a two-to-one rate of return to feel even. Danny Kahneman, Nobel Prize winner, behavioral economics, prospect theory, lost things twice as much as an equivalent gain. So if I get you to make a $5,000 concession, you're not going to feel whole until you've got me for 10 someplace else on the two to one feeling of loss. Interesting. That's the hard part about bargaining and conceding was because we're human beings, it will never feel equitable. And it causes a downward spiral. I want to stay out of that. I don't I don't want to go there. I don't want to trigger enough that's going to get triggered by accident. If we got to get into a back and forth exchange, now I gotta worry about how much resentment Am I going to trigger where you're going to pay me back, which is 
Maybe you don't pay me back on price. Maybe on, uh, something comes up in an inspection nobody foresaw. Uh, maybe something's wrong with the property. Nobody foresaw. Maybe, you know, there no real estate transaction. Just because you got a signed contract, does that mean you're going to close? Anybody that's been in real estate longer than five minutes know that does a, a, a signed agreement to close is a journey. There are contingencies in there every time. Inspections, appraisals, sure. Right. So, I mean, the beginning of the journey is a signed contract. I gotta, I gotta watch the resentment. It gets triggered. Just get into the signed contract, because boy, if 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 you if you feel stung, you you gotta double down on me. And that's why we've all heard of deals, half a million dollar deal that, that goes down in flames over a fifteen hundred dollar inspection. Right? How stupid is that? Oh yeah, five hundred thousand. That makes no economic sense. A five hundred thousand dollar home doesn't sell because they're in an argument about the five hundred dollar refrigerator or something, and then people want to <laughs> save face, right? People want to save face. Saving face is a big deal in a negotiation. Yeah. Even if someone loses more money, as long as they save face, it seems like yeah. people with a high ego will be more happy with that if they just save face, even if they lose money. That's exactly right. I don't want to go there. I don't want to lose a deal. Because I hurt your feelings. (laughs) That's just silly. So let me do everything I could possibly do to preserve your feelings of integrity and autonomy. Because I know problems are coming after we get the signed deal. How many, many, nothing goes through clean from signed to close. Nothing. So if I know problems are coming, why don't I do everything I can to prepare for them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would there be a better way to possibly get the same information, but not asking no oriented questions, like maybe labels, mislabeling. All right. So what was the question again? So you're asking, I'm asking, if I were to ask, is it true? Yada, yada, yada. Would there be a better way rather than just no orienting it? Would it there, would you use a better tool for instance? You know, potentially, potentially a label, although, you know, there are times, and, and and I'm going to ask you to make it into a label for me. So make it into a label. Mm, it sounds like you, you've written the book, Never Split the Difference. Right. Or, or it seems like, yeah. Sounds yeah. like, seems like, looks like, feels like. Yeah. And, you know, and so that is actually a great exercise. The, if you've got the yes question, you write it down. You want to substitute something else in. Substitute a couple of other skills, a no-oriented question, a label. That's that much more warm-up for your brain to get ready, give you that much more preparation. Because at some point in time when you communicate with people, you're going to find that one of those is going to hit them exactly right, depending upon their personality, the, the, the moment, you know how much sleep they got, what they had to eat, their circadian rhythm. There's all these different things. One of those skills is going to hit their brain exactly right, and it's going to really unlock a truthful response. The floodgates of truth talk is one of our tenants or clients once said. So, mm-hmm. I like your thinking, man. You're, you're you're showing some agility in your thought. Very good. Very impressed. I tried to come up with as many questions as I could last night, and I, this is the only one I really could that was really strong. But all right, good. Yeah. Anyway. Right, good. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on. Thank you for joining. I you appreciate know, uh, We have a lovely parting gift for you. You should subscribe to the Edge. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
All right, thanks, thanks man. Justin. Nice talking to you. It was a, a, a lot of fun. Chris, we have another question. All right. One second. Let me look through the chat. Do I need to bring you back up or am I am I good as is? You're good as is. All right. Leaving me here on camera by myself. Till we get somebody else up, right? Tej, Tej, I'm bringing you up on stage. Hey, how are you, Chris? How you say your name, brother? Tage. 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 Like turn the page. Tage. Yes, Tage. very much. I, you, I'm sure you go through that a lot. I do. I do. You, you, you and I spoke a couple of times, but uh, now maybe uh, this time now Chris Voss knows my name. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so question for you would be. Hold on. Um, we got to get you on camera. I think I said. Oh, sure. Yeah. Did let's I, do it again. We got to see what you actually look like. Sure. Yep, there, there we go. go. How are you, my friend? Hey, I see you, brother. Yeah, I didn't do my hair for you. I apologize, but uh, I was just working all day. <laughs> all right. Lay it on me. What do you got? All right. So um, ghosting is a problem, but I think one of the worst problems, especially whether it's sales or deal making, which is what I'm in, um, stay in touch, right? The prospect, the other party, they want you to stay in touch. You don't stay in touch enough, you become forgotten. If you stay in touch too closely, you are annoying any suggestions on tact tactfully or tactically staying in touch and making sure you're moving the needle with them? Yeah. So, um, their, their last words to you is stay in touch. What's the prompt here? Yeah. Usually it's this question I get asked a lot. So it's usually we're in long sales cycles, pretty complex deals. Um, they, they tend to like you, whatever, but they're they're not ready to move forward with the negotiation, the deal, the contract or whatever. Stay in touch. They're not saying no, which I'd rather they ghost or say no because then we can move on, but stay in touch. So what would be, you know, a couple of ideas you might think of of how to stay in touch? You know, that, that's would, that. No, 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 no. Let, let's rethink this. First of all, that's, a, that's the same as a maybe. And you got to treat maybes as if they're no's. So that's, a, that's mm -hmm. the way you got to proceed. After saying stay in touch, it's either flat no, they're not going to do it, or they has they have misgivings that you're not revealing. Mm -hmm. So you and you know that to be true. Like, are you keeping your are you keeping your percentages, your win work rate percentage, your length of time to an outcome, and your percentage of successes on your stay in touches? A percentage of stay in touches to success, yes. We we call it more of a pull through yield, meaning. Deals we put in the pipeline to success ratio, it's really high. It's about 85%. But this I'm is not more sure that the. You answered my question. Hold on. Yeah. Stay in touch as a category only. You can tell me what percentage of the stay in touch people, let's call, mm -hmm. let's call them a zebra or a giraffe okay. or a thoroughbred. I don't care. Mm -hmm. they're, one, they're one profile. Mm -hmm. Stay in touch. Can you tell me what percentage of those close and how long it takes to close? Yes or no? Yes, I could. I could. Yes, I could. Yes. Okay. So, can you? Uh, so, first of all, it's not a sin to not get the deal. It's a sin to take a long time to not get the deal. Correct. 
So if they're saying stay in touch, what do you know to be true? That they're not saying no, they're somewhat amenable to terms, but whether it's timing or pressure or something on their side that's not motivating them to be enough to turn the dial to let's sign uh, the retainer. All right, so they have misgivings or they lack pressure or they don't see the immediate value. Nobody says stay in touch on something that they see immediate value to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Otherwise, they'd execute. If they see immediate value to it or if they have um, pressure to execute, they'd execute. Mm -hmm. So the response is going to be a label. Stay in touch. Sounds like you have misgivings. It's a good point. Stay, stay in touch. Sounds like there are other things that are pressuring you. Now, they're going to be much more likely to talk with you about the barriers than they are to talk about what's going to hook them. Mm-hmm. Because people are comfortable talking about what's getting in the way because they don't feel there's a commitment involved. So they're free. I'm free to tell you what the barriers are. It's up to you to solve them. If you want to say, well, what would it take to make this deal? I don't want to say that because it's going to back me into a corner. Mm-hmm. So you want to focus on the barriers instead. And you probably want to go after that with labels. So I, I would I would never, you know, and I, I got to tell you something. Nobody in my business development team goes into stay in touch mode. Uh, and, and a lot of what We've learned to be inspired by similar to um, Jim Camp. Start with no 2002 book. I work with Jim. We collaborated over a lot of stuff. Me and his sons. Jim has since deceased. Their whole approach was to get somebody make a decision, yes mm-hmm. or no. But every conversation was designed to make a decision and stay in touch is to avoid decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's a maybe. And it's never, never land, and you cannot monetize maybe. To some degree, you can monetize. We're not making this deal because then you can move on. So I would I would never go into stay in touch mode. I get stay in touch. What do you know to be true? You know they don't see the value right now. You know they're being pressured in other areas. You know they have misgivings. You know those things to be true. Mm-hmm. Throw it out with a label. Focus in on that. They're going to be much more likely to talk with you. I like the take on that. Very good. I love it. Thank you. You're a rock star, yeah, man, man. But you know, that was a great question. Thank you very much for uh, for the question. Thank you. Pleasure. Is labels. So labels have a very specific structure. Um, you're going to be saying it seems like, it sounds like, it looks like, it feels like. You can use it or you can use you. It is neutral. It's where you should probably stay when you're starting to use the skills because it is neutral. You can use you and it's it's definitely more engaging, but if you're not really very careful about the tone of voice that you have, using you cannot go very well for you if you're not careful. So you can say, it seems like you're angry or you can say, you seem angry. The you that I just said was very accusatory. People don't respond well to that. So it's better if you just stick with it in the beginning until you're dealing with somebody who you know for sure feels a certain way and you can say it without that little sarcastic kind of accusatory tone in your voice. 
Now, when you're using labels, actually, I don't know why we just have this on the label slide because it's using any of our skills. Do not use the word but after you say something because it is an erasing word. So everything you say after the word but erases everything you said before it. So if you say, you know, um, you seem angry, but you really don't need to be. You just erase that perfectly good label by, by, by saying the word but. If you use the words and or because, you're actually either explaining the label or you're stepping on it. So what you need to do instead of actually putting one of those words in there after you use a really good label or even after a mirror, you want to just go quiet, okay? Let, it, let the person process what you just said. Don't erase it or explain it right away. One thing I want you to remember through this process is if you are explaining, you're losing. Okay, so when you use our skills, you don't want to explain them. You want to like drop them. It's like dropping the mic. You just put it out there and let it sit. Okay. So what exactly are labels? So labels are essentially verbal observations. They are whatever you're seeing or picking up from the other side. So it could be their motivations, the circumstances that they're in, the dynamics of the situation that you're both involved in. It could be their emotions. It's you interpreting. So when you're using a label, you can do what we call a surface label, which is what's presenting. In other words, usually what's presenting when you're dealing with someone else is whatever emotion that they're feeling. Cause a lot of times you can see it in their body language. You can see it or feel it in what they're saying. So um, if you label that surface element, it's not a bad thing to do, but it's better if you can use a deeper label, which is trying to maybe get to the why behind the behavior. So Say you have a friend who is arguing with their spouse. And so when you start talking to them, you say, it seems like you hate arguing with your spouse. And then their thought is, well, yeah, of course I hate arguing with my spouse. Who doesn't hate arguing with their spouse? That was a dumb thing to say. Instead of going for that surface label, which is not horrible, go for a deeper label and say something like, it seems like you get irritated when you and your spouse don't see eye to eye, it's just a little bit deeper. It doesn't take much, just a slight shift to get you from the very surface, you hate arguing with your spouse, to the deeper kind of why behind it. Seems like you get irritated when you and your spouse don't see eye to eye. Okay. You can label negatives or you can label positives. If you label negatives, it actually diffuses them. Shh, I got off mochi. If you notice something negative that's happening in the room and you ignore it, it's like not pointing out the elephant that's right there that everybody knows is there, but no one's saying anything about it. And if you leave it there, it just tramples around everything. If you point it out, if you just go ahead and say, there's that elephant in the room, you're going to actually diffuse it. You're going to mitigate it. You're going to take away its power. So labeling the negative is not a bad thing. Um, I mean, you can talk about someone's emotion as being negative. You know, well, it really seems like you're angry. 
And if the anger is something that's, that's kind of clouding what's going on with you and your conversation, and you see that you can label that it actually just points it out, gets that negative out there and actually then diffuses it. One of the reasons it works so well is because you're demonstrating an understanding of the other side. Okay. You're letting them know that you see this negative thing and then you're helping them kind of diffuse it. You can label positives and that actually reinforces them. And this kind of goes along with um, neuroscience, basically. If if I, um, I'm dealing with my daughter and she goes out with her friends and she comes home and I realize that she's in a really, really good mood, I'm going to label that. I'm going to say, seems like you had a really good time with your friends. And what happens when I say that is she goes back to that point in time where she was out with her friends and she was having a really good time. And it releases endorphins and gives her this little sense of euphoria. So it's reinforcing that positive time that she had. And it's bringing up all these nice positive things. So when you're labeling that positive thing, it's actually reinforcing it. How are we doing, Troy? Good, good on questions or anything you want to bring up? Yeah, we're good on questions right now. No. Okay. Perfect. Okay, so... It's kind of important for you to have what we call a go-to list of labels. This is going to help you be able to use the skills without having to think quite so hard about it. Because when you first start using this stuff, it's kind of difficult to just think of something on the fly. So if you have three or four or five labels that you can kind of interchangeably use, a lot of them will be on in almost any situation and it'll help you practice because in order for you to actually form a new habit of using these skills, you have to get between 64 and 67 repetitions before you start paving that neural pathway that actually helps you use these without having to think about it. Okay. So it does take a lot of practice. So this go-to list um, has some of our favorite labels on it. One that's really, really good that you can use pretty much any time is it sounds like this is important to you. Another, it looks like you've given this a lot of thought. And here's the one that you use. If you're at an impasse with someone, you've reached a, a, a position in the conversation or negotiation where things just don't look like they're going to go forward very well or very easily or at all, you can say, it sounds like there's nothing I can do to change your mind. By saying that, you're opening the door for them to tell you if there is something you can do to change their mind, that's when they're going to let you know, okay? So if you feel like things are just like you hit a brick wall in this conversation, you can, you can throw that label out there and see what information they give you back to kind of give you an idea of where you can go or if you can go. So this next one is my favorite. Seems like you have a reason for, and you can put a lot of different things in here, saying that, thinking that, feeling that, doing that. It's pretty much this um, all-encompassing label that you just stick the verb in there that you need, okay? One of my favorite things to, to use this for is if someone asks you a question that you're either not sure about answering, you don't know what the answer is, um, you don't want to answer it, any of those things. You can say, it seems like you have a reason for asking that. And this is an important one because people really ask lousy questions. 
And they do it for a couple of different reasons. One, because their brain works a little bit differently than yours, and they feel like they're asking a great question, but to you, it doesn't make any sense. Or to you, it sends you to a different direction. So you start answering this question and you're explaining this answer for 10 or 20 minutes and they come back and basically say, that's not what I was asking. And then they ask you a different question, which is really what they more what they wanted to know. And then, then you can get to the real question, but now you've wasted 10, 15, 20 minutes answering the wrong thing that they really didn't want. So if you're ever unsure about the direction someone's trying to take you in by asking a question, or you're not really getting what they really want from the question, then you can just throw out there. It seems like you have a reason for asking that. And then they'll tell you the reason that they asked the question, and it'll basically tell you exactly where to go with what information they want. Subscribe to the Black Swan Group's negotiation newsletter, which is free. It doesn't cost you anything. I had a colleague at the FBI that used to like to say, if it's free, I'll take three. Here's how you subscribe to The Edge if you're in the United States. Send a text to, the number is 33777, that's 33777. The text message that you send is Black Swan Method, Black Swan Method 233777. Comes to your email inbox on Tuesday mornings when you're ready to rock and roll and get